it was a few weeks ago, it was Sue was preaching, and do you remember she preached about Thomas? And uh, she reminded us that Thomas had been saddled for 2,000 years with the unfortunate nickname of Doubting Thomas. And during that sermon, she rehabilitated Thomas, and we saw him in a completely different light. I know when we talked about it in the home group on the, the Wednesday night, people were saying, we never thought of Thomas in that way before. But you think of Thomas, and you think of doubting, and it's not fair to that particular guy. Two of the other uh, apostles, disciples of Jesus, were called the Sons of Thunder. That was James and John. I think they were called the Sons of Thunder because of their uh, tendency to erupt verbally, not because they'd had chickpeas the night before, but they erupted verbally and they were called the Sons of Thunder. But Joseph, a Jewish minor temple official from Cyprus, is better known by the nickname that the apostles gave him, the nickname of Barnabas. And Barnabas means son of encouragement. And I just think what a wonderful name to have been given. What a wonderful character trait to have expressed about someone. Barnabas, the encourager. And I believe that God has hardwired each one of us to thrive on encouragement. Discouragement drags us down to the depths of despair. It robs us of our joy, it demotivates us, but encouragement, on the other hand, lifts us up. I want us to notice that encouragement is not the same as flattery. If we're encouraging people, we give them praise for good things, for things that we can anticipate they can do. It's not the same as flattery. Flattery and encouragement have this in common. They're both designed to make the recipient feel good about themselves, but there's a fundamental difference in motive. The flatterer is in it for himself. By flattering another person, he hopes to gain favor. Flattery is excessive and insincere praise, given especially to further one's own interests. But the encourager is selfless, caring only for the self-worth of the recipient. Here's another difference between encouragement and flattery. The encourager is realistic. He's honest in his assessment of another. He looks for the best in the other and is not afraid to articulate it, but he doesn't over-egg the praise. He doesn't tell someone they're a great singer if they are patently not. He doesn't ask somebody out the front to do an Irish chick when patently that is not their gift. <laughs> and being impressed with flattery is dangerous because you might begin to believe things about yourself which are actually not true, and when you start to live as though they are, you may fall flat on your face. The encourager is someone who you can trust. Encouragement is affirming. A Barnabas-type character will be sure to give praise where praise is due. One of the most discouraging experiences that I find is not knowing whether you are being appreciated. When I was minister of a local church, I used to shake hands at the door as people were going out, and people could say all sorts of things there in the moment, and I guess you did get to know whose affirmation you could take seriously. But the encouragement that really blessed me was not at the door at the end of a service, but later that day or during the week when someone sent a text or an email saying, thank you for something you'd said or done. I want to share from the heart this morning some experiences of Christian leadership which might actually help us with the context of what Graham is experiencing right now. 
For in Christian leadership, it's incredibly easy to feel unappreciated and to feel taken for granted. Negative feedback outweighs anything positive that we hear. Even if it just comes from a few people, and especially if it's unfair, untrue, or unwarranted, it's so much easier to identify who's against you than who is for you. I recall at a particularly difficult time in our last church, Ruth spoke out in a church meeting about some of the opposition we were experiencing. She was very bold to do that. She did it with tears, and she said things like this, if you want us to go, we'll go but I don't want my husband's last couple of years in ministry to break him. It was very bold. I think it was the last church meeting she went to. But over the next few days, we were overwhelmed by the response, both in the meeting and over the next few days, as many people contacted us with expressions of love and appreciation, completely unaware that there had been an opposition party and completely flabbergasted that people could be so cruel as we'd experienced. There was indeed an opposition party, but just as Elijah was to discover when in the depths of despair, thinking everyone was against him, God demonstrated that we had many encouragers. They'd simply not found it necessary to identify themselves or to make their appreciation known. You know what can be one of the most discouraging things? One of the most discouraging things of all is silence. My first job after university was as a planning assistant in the town planning department of a very small Scottish local authority. Indeed, it was the smallest local authority, the smallest county in the UK. People say in quizzes that the smallest county in the UK under old administration was Rutland. No, it wasn't. It was Clackmannanshire in Scotland. And that was my first job, working in the planning department there. As a student, I'd been used to feedback in the form of red annotations over work, which I'd handed in for marking. But in this new season, when the boss just handed my work back in the same state as I handed it in, I wasn't even sure that he'd read it. We used to call him a go-ahead boss, because when you said, can I do this, you'd just say, go ahead. Go ahead. And it was most frustrating, because you didn't know whether he appreciated what you were doing or not. No feedback, no encouraging. But when encouraging feedback comes, then the result is elation. It's relief beyond belief. And you may hear what I'm saying and say, that's very, very shallow. I I don't think so. For as a preacher of many years' experience, do you know I can never tell until someone has made an affirming comment whether what I've shared has been helpful or not. And I suspect I'm not alone. In the spiritual battle which we share, we all need to be confirmed in our gifting. My darkest time was in the period when I was moving on from Evangelical Alliance. We'd had a protracted courtship with a large Scottish church which came to an abrupt end, and for a period of weeks, I began to doubt my calling and my gifting as the future didn't seem clear. And then I followed through on an existing uh, invitation I had to speak at a gathering in Belfast sponsored by the Billy Graham organization. And after I spoke in that particular gathering, I found the encouragement I received from Irish brothers and sisters at the end of my talk reassured me of my gifting. I needed that reassurance because I was asking big questions of self-doubt. I don't know if you've noticed that whenever one of us preaches here, immediately afterwards, Graham puts an arm around us 
and encourages us to trust the message preached to God. It's now gone, he'll say. It's no longer your responsibility. I want you to hear, and many of you will know this because you've experienced it, Graham is an encourager. Graham set up an encouragement group. Graham's got a little strap line for our development in discipleship, which starts, encourage, equip, release. Graham's got the message about encouraging others, but please don't assume that he doesn't need encouraging and affirming himself. In the USA, they've got a special pastor appreciation month. It's actually the month of October. It's now, and on Facebook this morning, I saw we're halfway through pastor appreciation month, and there was a list of uh, 10 or 11 things. It's not helpful to give your pastor as a gift in pastor appreciation month. Most of them wouldn't be relevant at all in our situation. We may find the whole thing cringeworthy, but it's a wake-up call to us, not just to appreciate our pastor, but to let him know that he's appreciated. One of the most discouraging things I ever read was the questionnaire completed by one of my team members at Evangelical Alliance who was moving on. And one of the questions asked, have you felt appreciated in your role? And in the box he simply wrote, never. It came as a stomach punch. I had let this talented individual team member down because he thought I and presumably colleague leaders did not appreciate him. We need appreciation. We thrive on encouragement. For encouragement is motivating. If someone sees that you've got the potential to succeed in some area and is ready to encourage you to try it out, you'll feel more confident to go forward than if you'd simply thought of it yourself. Robert Burns, the Scottish bard, wrote, with some poor, the gift to gear us to see ourselves as others see us. Translated, oh, with some power, the gift to give us to see ourselves as others see us. And the encourager is such a person. He or she can see potential in you that perhaps you can't even see in yourself and have been sure, not sure about. And Barnabas could see potential in people. When the notorious persecutor of Christians, Saul of Tarsus, was reported to have become a Christian, the Jerusalem Christians were understandably suspicious. Perhaps it was a ruse to get close to the group and to destroy them from the inside. Surely they could not take the risk, but one person saw potential in this unexpected and raw Christian recruit, and that person was Barnabas, and the rest, they say, is history. Everything wasn't always sweetness and light between Paul and Barnabas, however. Paul's patience was tried by the behavior of a young man called John Mark, who incidentally was the cousin of Barnabas. John Mark, on a journey that they'd had together, he went back home when the going got tough, and that was enough as far as Paul was concerned. That disqualified him for future ministry. But Barnabas saw potential in his young cousin and encouraged him, even though it meant a painful parting of the ways from Paul for a period. Actually, in God's economy, it meant there were two mission teams instead of one, Barnabas and John Mark and Paul with Silas. Later, Paul himself acknowledged how much he appreciated the ministry of John Mark. I want to ask you, are you a person who sees potential in others even when they mess up? Or are you quick to write people off when they don't match up to your expectations? In other words, are you a Paul or a Barnabas in this regard? I look back over the years and can, to my shame, see a tendency 
to write people off. I was for a time part of the leadership of the Baptist Union of Scotland, and one of the groups I served on handled grants to support ministry in situations where otherwise they couldn't afford a pastor. And I remember us making difficult decisions to withdraw the ministry grant from two small churches on a Hebridean island. Our assessment was that the churches were going nowhere and that our grant from a limited national pot of money was not strategically placed. But the implication of withdrawing the grant would be to put the pastor and his family out of their home as well as the job. Part of our conclusion was that this man was simply not suited to pastoral ministry. I left Scotland soon afterwards and went down to London. Didn't hear the outcome for the pastor, but in due course I bumped into him in London. He'd become pastor of an inner city church in South London. The church was thriving and so was he. Our Scottish decision had been right for the Hebridean island, but our assessment of the pastor had been inaccurate. There was another guy who'd been a missionary in Brazil. We all knew him as an awkward character. He presented himself to our ministerial recognition committee for recognition as a Baptist minister in Scotland and we turned him down. Then I bumped into this man in England. I preached in his church in Norfolk and discovered a thriving situation in which my sermon was translated into Portuguese. Norfolk. What was happening? Many Portuguese-speaking immigrants had become agricultural laborers in that area. And this guy, with his Portuguese-speaking background from missionary service in Brazil, was able to miss minister these people in a unique way. And I'm grateful that God is bigger than our harsh decisions. And again, in his economy, both these guys found themselves in positions where they thrived. Paul wasn't prepared to give John Mark a second chance. Now, Barnabas' favoring of John Mark could easily have been dismissed as nepotism. But as we look at the character of Barnabas as illustrated in incidents throughout the book of Acts, we see he was respected by the members of the church as a person who had discernment, who could be trusted to assess situations and people on behalf of the apostles. He wasn't a naive, soft touch who was easily duped. Barnabas had the understanding and affirming nature required for making an honest appraisal of the flourishing church ministry of Syrian Antioch, for example, and his judgment was trusted by the Jerusalem Christians. He could be trusted to tell it like it is. He was an encourager, quick to speak up for the rejected, for the apparent failures in ministry as he recognized God-given potential. <coughs> Barnabas exhibited encouragement in a very practical way. The beginning of our encounter with Barnabas, as Linda read from us from Acts chapter four, a little earlier on, he sells a field on Cyprus and hands the money over to the apostles. Encouragers invest in others. And having worked for a Christian charity which relied on the financial generosity of its supporters, I can tell you how encouraging it is when financial gifts appear at the right time. Wow, people out there actually believe in us and what we're doing. We're in this together. And later on, Paul, Barnabas accompanies Paul as they go to take famine relief to the Christians in Judea. Their trip would no doubt encourage the Jerusalem believers, much as Farmer Ian's current trip to Nigeria will be encouraging Nikki Brand and Alex and the girls in the training center. Barnabas was an encourager, but that's not all. Barnabas had a realistic self-image. 
Barnabas was the one who'd introduced Paul to the understandably suspicious Christians in Jerusalem. He was the sponsor. Barnabas had started off as the more prominent member of the dynamic duo, Batman to Paul's Robin. But there came a time when Barnabas slipped imperceptibly into Robin mode, allowing Paul to be Batman. A different person may have resented this change of status, but not Barnabas. On another occasion, Barnabas and Paul were mistaken for gods. In a town called Lystra, a crowd mistook Barnabas for Zeus and Paul for Hermes, the delivery man. That's why it's called Hermes. Zeus was a Greek sky deity. Hermes was the messenger deity. And Barnabas, along with Paul, did all he could to restrain the pagan priest of Zeus from offering sacrifices to them. A different character would have milked the situation. For all it was worth, but Barnabas knew who he was. He knew his calling. He knew his mission. Here's one last thought about encouragement. Some of us actually don't know what to do with it. When somebody encourages us, when somebody does express the appreciation that we're hardwired to thrive on, we, we sort of get all embarrassed. Or if we're feeling super spiritual, we say, not me. Sometimes it's difficult to believe that we're appreciated and loved. How many people here watch the Bake Off? Don't be shy. Great British Bake Off. If you watch the Great British Bake Off, you'll know about the Paul Hollywood handshake. For those who don't know, let me just uh, explain a, a little bit. This competition where people are in competing with one another to bake particular things, and they get judged currently by Paul Hollywood and Prue Leith. And as the judges go around, they look at things. And Paul Hollywood, uh, he's a hard man. He tells it like it is. He says, that was an absolute disaster. That pastry was like rubber. And Prue will say, oh, but the taste was wonderful. <laughs> but when Paul Hollywood really appreciates something, what the contestants are waiting for is the Paul Hollywood handshake as he sort of, it goes, it, it goes a little bit like this. And when you've got a Paul Hollywood handshake, you know. You know he means it, you know you're appreciated, but even then, the little Asian guy there who is so good at what he's doing, he doesn't believe it. He can't believe why Paul Hollywood should be giving him the handshake. And it just strikes me. When Paul Hollywood stretches out his hand, you know it's genuine, you know you've done well, it just strikes me, do we need to cultivate the Paul Hollywood handshake spirit in church? So that when we offer encouragement or praise or affirmation, the recipients will believe it's genuine. I once heard a valuable piece of advice. I don't know that I've always been capable of putting it into practice, but the piece of advice was this, know whose criticism to take seriously. Here's its counterpart. Know whose affirmation to take seriously, and then take it, receive it, and let it build you up. This series is entitled Learning from Disciples. What do we learn from Barnabas? Encourage others. Actually, Paul got a hold of the encouragement thing too. Maybe Barnabas' encouragement was infectious. As Paul writes to the Christians in Thessalonica, encourage one another and build one another up just as in fact you are doing.
Could that be said of us? Bridge North Baptist Church, encourage one another, build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Well, Ruth and I have experienced encouragement in this church fellowship from many of you after our arrival three and a half short years ago. We feel our gifts have been appreciated. We're so grateful for that. As I indicated earlier, that's not always been the situation, case in other situations. I need you to know that when you're in pastoral leadership, which I'm not currently, When you're in pastoral leadership, you are vulnerable to a skewed perspective. What do I mean? You tend to give undue weight to critical feedback and assume that is how everyone feels about you in your ministry. For a period, we dreaded hand-delivered letters arriving on our doormat since they were invariably the gripes of dissatisfied persons. This was most discouraging. When I was part of the leadership team of a very small church plant in London's Docklands, we were encouraged by an outside advisor to take two sheets of flip chart paper. On one, we were to write our disappointments, the things which discouraged us. On the other, we were to celebrate the successes, the things which encouraged us. And to our great surprise and encouragement, the pluses outweighed the minuses considerably. As in many situations, we hadn't noticed the positives because the negatives were dragging us down. And Paul says, encourage one another. Here's a question for us. I don't necessarily have the answer to this. How can we ensure that every person who comes to one of our services leaves feeling encouraged? Be slow to write people off. Look for potential in others. Be patient and forgiving with those who mess up because we all do. In Romans 12, encouraging others is used as an example of a spiritual gift. If you have that spiritual gift, then please, please use it. But in several passages, we're exhorted to encourage one another. Therefore, we've no license to leave the task of encouragement to those who possess the spiritual gift of encouragement. I was walking the dog yesterday. It's not unusual to do that every day, but as I was walking the dog, words of a song came into my head. Not a Christian song. It was home, home on the range, where the deer and the antelope roam, where seldom is heard a discouraged, where the deer and the antelope play, actually, it's got to rhyme as we go. Home, no, we won't sing it. Home, home on the range, where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word, and the sky's never cloudy or gray. Home, home, at Bridge North Baptist, wouldn't it be wonderful if seldom was heard a discouraging word? And okay, the songs have been telling us, raised prayers been telling us, everything isn't sweetness and light. We pass through troubles together, but we can pass through them together with the help of the Lord. But in general, the atmosphere here would be positive. Well, we see the sunshine. Was it Richard talked about the sunshine? Somebody talked about the sunshine a little bit earlier on, that we're not reliant on the big ball for our inner feelings. Actually, the sunshine of God's love is constant. So the final, final question from me before I hand over to him is this. Who needs your encouragement today? Let me just pray and then I hand back to uh, 
Richard. Our, our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Barnabas. We know his name was Joseph now, and perhaps we didn't realize that before, but what a way to be labeled for 2,000 years, Barnabas, son of encouragement. I just pray, Father, that many of us would be sons and daughters of encouragement, that no one would feel discouraged because they were unappreciated. Thank you so much that we were able to appreciate uh, Mandy this morning. Help us, Father, to look around and to think of who you might be laying in our hearts to encourage today. And help us, Father, to take that step of encouraging others. May, may we not be those people who feel nobody loves me, everybody hates me, think I'll go and eat worms. <coughs> we just pray, Father, that we would be people who feel affirmed, appreciated, and in return that we affirm and we appreciate other people. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.